Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. Happy Friday the uh, 13th. Goodness gracious. Uh, here we are, a week and a half after the election. Apparently, North Carolina <clears throat> now uh, being called for President Trump. Uh, I can't remember a time when it took this long for the votes to be tallied. This has been an extraordinary election in so many ways. <clears throat> and pardon me. And in fact, in so many ways, a very disturbing election, and not simply about the outcome, but about the way the election was conducted because of COVID and because of a whole bunch of other issues that are really very disturbing. <clears throat> the mail, <clears throat> pardon me, wow. I've been doing far too much uh, talking to radio shows and phone conversations, trying to gather up information about where we are, how we got here. Uh, really incredible. But one of the things to remember is that because of COVID, the decision was made that they, they would allow absentee ballots to be cast, which they do every year, but not in the numbers we saw this year. And then we had ballots by the millions being mailed out to people who didn't request them in some states. And we come to find out <clears throat> that the machines and the programming being used in conjunction with the elections, or anything but reliable. Now, there was an allegation made, and in fact, um, this coming Sunday, in two days, I'll be on Dr. Dave Janda's radio program, Operation Freedom. He broadcasts from WAAM in Michigan. He's an orthopedic surgeon, also a radio talk show host, also has a website. He's very much concerned, as I am, about the state of our country, <clears throat> where we're headed, how we got here, and, and hopefully how do we fix some of the lunacy. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen our government more corrupt than it is today. And I'm glad of one thing. I haven't heard anybody use the term political correctness in, in the last month or so. Now, maybe it is being used, but I've been on a one-man campaign to strike the words political correctness from the vernacular, from the discussion. Political correctness sounds as though we're trying to be polite and courteous and compassionate and considerate, and Americans tend to be all those things. And that's what makes us the target for the con artists, uh, turning our compassion and consideration into a weapon to be used against us. And that's just a fact. So what's really being referred to as being politically correct speech is really newspeak, right out of the pages of 1984 written by George Orwell. If you haven't read it, get 1984, read it. You will understand exactly what's going on. Understand the role that the media has been playing in really wrecking havoc on this democratic republic. Uh, by the way, before we even get into the issues, I, I'm going to ask you a question to think about. <clears throat> How many people in America today do you think believe that it was the Trump administration that constructed the cages that received so much negative press 
about how illegal aliens are being held because our system was so swamped and overwhelmed. I testified about the issue of detention for illegal aliens at a hearing a number of years ago. And I was very clear. I said I didn't want uh, people coming to America claiming asylum, number one, not to be released when we don't know who they are because we know that terrorists embed themselves in refugee flows. Sometimes they bring their families. Sometimes they create fictitious families to lend an air of authenticity to who they are and they pose a serious threat to national security. The 9-11 Commission was very clear about it. But I also said I did not want, especially children coming to America, to be held in any kind of a facility that smelled of a prison. I don't want anyone uh, growing up in America to think of their first days in our country living in the equivalent of a jail. I certainly didn't like the cages, but we were overwhelmed. But getting back to the original question, who built the cages? The Obama administration. It was clear. It was documented in the newspapers. There were hearings about it. The Obama administration built the cages. And yet, ask most people on the left, in fact, almost anybody. I've spoken to people who told me that they were Trump supporters, and even they thought that the cages were built by Trump. Well, if they were built by Obama, why did people think Trump built them? Because the media kept repeating the lie. And in my area, in New York, I've seen signs on lawn about the cages and about Trump and about how evil he is. And don't you dare tell them that it was Obama because you're probably looking for a fistfight. I used to have fistfights as a kid, but I'm too old for that garbage. But that is how this issue was, you know, shoved into the brains of Americans. Right out of the Nazi tactic of the big lie. You tell a lie, you keep repeating it again and again and again, that every opportunity you get as many people to repeat the lie. And how long does it take for the lie to appear to be true? And never forget that perception becomes reality. If you think it's real, you're going to treat it as though it's real, and we're off to the races. So Obama built the cages, and Trump gets blamed for them. How did that happen? It was President Trump who said we're not going to allow uh, people from China to enter the United States on January 31st of this year when it was obvious that there was a pandemic brewing in China headed this way, headed around the world, in fact. And he was immediately attacked as a xenophobe, a racist, a hater, a bigot, you name it. He's it. Terrible man. Wouldn't let these people in. And you had Democrats right up until March telling people, Come to Chinatown. Celebrate the Chinese New Year. If you don't go to Chinatown, you're a bigot. Trump said, no, this is dangerous. And then as the pandemic grew and as Election Day grew closer, the Democrats started to say that Trump refused to take the coronavirus seriously. Let's see if I understand this. Against the opposition of the Democrat Party, He shut down the entry of aliens from China and then Europe into the United States. He was attacked for it, but he was right. It was the first indication he had and that we had that we had a a problem on our hands and that the president was taking it very seriously. And then he announced the creation of Operation Warp Speed to do what? To build PPE, ventilators, other equipment in the United States, to start manufacturing pharmaceuticals in the United States, went to everyone's horror, it was discovered that 98% of the drugs, or whatever that number was, <clears throat> that we need 
in America are being manufactured in China. And at one point, China actually threatened to withhold the drugs that we needed from our people. And the president and everyone else was furious. And they said, oh, my gosh. And he immediately said, let's bring back production to the United States. And he pumped money into the, into the production of the ventilators. If you remember, uh, genius Cuomo, the guy that moved sick people with COVID back into nursing homes and lied through his teeth. Well, I mean, that's not a news headline. It's not a headline that the sun rises in the east. It's not a headline that Cuomo lies. It's kind of about as predictable. But Cuomo said, the federal government said we could move those people back into the nursing homes. That wasn't what they said. He took it out of context. What the federal government said was, yes, if you have people in nursing homes who have the COVID virus, and if you could test for it, and if you can isolate them, and if you have the resources to treat them, then you should move them back into the nursing homes. Otherwise, make use of the facilities that the federal government built. We moved the two Navy hospital ships, one to New York, one to California. They turned the Jacob Javits uh, Convention Center in New York City into the biggest field hospital, the biggest hospital period in the United States. And then they built up ancillary field hospitals around New York and the rest of the country to make sure that we had the resources. Those hospitals went largely empty. Cuomo was out there, we need ventilators. This administration is not giving us ventilators. Well, we manufactured so many ventilators that now we're providing them to the rest of the world. And how did that happen? The president invoked the War Powers Act and compelled Ford and other companies to stop what they were manufacturing and turn their production lines over to manufacture the ventilators. I remember the news conference. He came out and said, I've just become a wartime president. And he essentially said, we're at war with an invisible killer, the virus. How much more seriously could he have taken it? Woodward came out. I interviewed the president. And he admitted that he knew that this was dangerous, but he downplayed it. Of course he downplayed it. Did you want the president running around like a headless chicken screaming, we're going to die? If you're on an airplane and there's a mechanical problem, do you want the pilot to get on the radio? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain. We're going to die. You want the calm voice of a man in control or a woman. There are many women pilots. In fact, one of my best flight instructors was a woman who was an amazing aerobatic pilot. I did a little flying when I was a kid. Never finished my license, but I did log 25 or so hours of solo flight time flying without an instructor. But you want the person in control of the airplane to come on with a calm voice and perhaps announce, we are having a mechanical issue with the airplane. There's nothing serious. This isn't a life and death matter, but we will have to divert to another airport because I'd like to get this airplane on the ground sooner rather than later. That's what you want to hear from the flight crew. Not screaming, oh, my God, we're going to crash and we're going to die. And that's what the president did as the leader of the free world, as the leader of the United States. He said, yes, we have a problem. Don't panic. It's not going to be as bad as you think it is, and we'll, we'll, we'll take care of what we have to take care of. That's what leadership is. And the media jumped all over it. The president lied to the American people. He downplayed the threat. Yes, he downplayed the threat. He didn't want panic, and he said he didn't want panic. That's called leadership something most of these lame brain politicians never experienced, certainly don't relate to. And that's not to say that I always agree with Donald Trump. I don't. I don't. But the point of the matter is he did exactly what he needed to do. And this became the campaign issue for Joe Biden 
the president failed to take it seriously. Well, today, because he failed to take it seriously, there was a news conference at the White House with the announcement that the, the, the antiviral, um, or actually the, the vaccine, plus antiviral meds are on the way, and we should have a, a vaccine within a matter of another month or two or somewhere in that range, and that they're preparing hundreds or tens of millions of, of doses of a vaccine as well as antiviral med um, therapeutics to treat those people who are already sick. In six months, in six months, a, vi- a, a, a vaccine has been developed and more on the way from other companies. And it's interesting that Pfizer said, oh, we didn't get money from warp speed. Well, actually, they did. And, and, they, and you have to wonder if the timing with the uh, vaccines isn't political as much as they say. We're not being political. They probably hate Trump's guts. Add them to the list. Why? Because unlike Obama, Trump got the price of medicines down. But you won't hear that in the media. And if he gets the pharmaceuticals to have to take less money, it means they make less profit. So what do they want? Donald Trump to win re-election or Joe Biden, who will probably play ball with them and let them jack the prices up again? At the very least, they know they have a shot with Biden. Uh, They know with Trump, the art of the deal, he's not going to budge. He has been adamant about lowering the price of meds for people, for Americans. Think about where we are with all this. How many people were deceived and said, that Trump didn't do anything, all those people who died, it's his fault, blood is on his hands. Meanwhile, how many thousands of people died because of Cuomo? Add those people to the list of the people that we keep hearing about who died because Trump failed to take the virus seriously. How many of those people died needlessly because you had imbeciles like Cuomo, dishonest politicians like Cuomo, doing exactly what they were told to not do? Was he trying to trim the herd? Old people are expensive? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I wouldn't put anything past that Cretan, the guy that calls immigration agents thugs. Right. People that investigate terrorism, drug traffickers, human traffickers, go after crooked lawyers. He could probably relate to that. Go after crooked employers who hire legal aliens so that they can exploit the hell out of them. It's not an act of compassion to hire illegal aliens. You're not helping anybody but yourself to more money. You should treat them like crap. You, you, you employ them uh, for substandard wages and frequently under conditions that are so substandard as to be patently illegal. That's why they hire illegal aliens intentionally. It's not an act of compassion. If you think it's compassionate to hire illegal aliens intentionally, then you would think that the guy that puts cheese on a mousetrap is trying to feed hungry mice, okay? Let's be clear. So when you make it hard for ICE agents, immigration agents, to do their job, You are shielding terrorists, you're shielding drug traffickers, you're shielding human traffickers, you're shielding crooked employers, you're shielding crooked lawyers. It's not just the illegal aliens. The way you make a case against all the bad guys is to arrest illegal aliens, have them cooperate with you, and then you give them permission to stay in the United States and work legally. Nobody talks about that because the ICE agents are the bad guys. So why do they do that? Because they don't want anyone cooperating with ICE. Why do they do that? Well, draw your own conclusion. But obviously, they love flooding the workplace with lots of people, suppress the wages of Americans, maybe get Americans to lose their jobs, and then they become dependent on the federal government. 
of which party is the party of the handout? It's the Democrats. That's why I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine a while back that I said, for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. The easiest way to make Americans fail is to flood in an army of foreign workers. And by the way, Biden has said that when he takes office, if he takes office, he would greatly increase the number of H-1B visas. That's exactly what Bill Gates wants. It's exactly what Alan Greenspan wants. It's exactly what Chuck Schumer wants. And frankly, it's exactly what lawyers like Bob Goodlatte, the former Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, want, because he's an immigration lawyer who, in point of fact, specialized in H-1B visas. And his son, Bobby Goodlatte, if you look him up, and I didn't even know about his son until Goodlatte opened his mouth during a meeting. We had arrogant as ever. Most politicians are, not all, but most. My son's an expert on computers and would love to bring in tens of thousands of brilliant Indian programmers. Oh, he said, really? Uh, I said, what are the Americans, shop liver? That was the end of the conversation. So Trump was cutting down the number of h Well, apparently um, I, I was disconnected. I apologize. Um, um, I guess I've been basically sitting here broadcasting to myself, but I, I am back. Um, I think that the best that we could do at this point um, is to, to simply say that um, I'm going to just try to, to go over a couple of the quick points that I had meant to discuss earlier, and I, I will do a, a makeup program. Um, in the next day or two. By the way, I am going to be with Dr. Dave Janda on his terrific radio program this coming Sunday. Uh, that's the 14th of November at 2.30 p.m. East Coast time at WAAM, WAM Talk Radio. Uh, Dr. Dave Janda, Operation Freedom. I'll be doing 30 minutes with him. But basically what I've been trying to get across to all of you is the idea that the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party as they look at what President Trump has been able to accomplish to attack him and how the media has been an accomplice is very disturbing because it undermines our democracy. Most Americans believe that it was, it was, Biden, it was um, President Trump, not Obama, who built the cages. We know that it was, uh, in fact, the Obama administration. We know that President Trump took the COVID virus very seriously to the point where he stopped travel of people from the United States to the United States from China, and then he added Europe as the virus became more, more widespread through Europe. And then we look at what the Biden administration now says they're planning to do. Um, they're not going to be able to pull rabbits out of the hat as far as the virus is concerned. They're going to be basically standing on the shoulders of Donald Trump and his administration because it was announced today that the vaccine will be available within the next couple of weeks, it seems. We're well on the way, and as soon as they're certified by um, the FDA, they're going to be distributing it. The military is on standby to distribute the vaccine. But meanwhile, it was because of COVID that enough Americans were conned into voting against President Trump and for Biden. This is the role that the news media plays, and that's why it's vital that they be honest brokers, that they simply report the news as it happens, and don't turn into a propaganda machine, but they have. They, are, they have become the Ministry of Truth right out of George Orwell. And Biden, as it turns out, is determined to flood America with more foreign workers, even though this would be harmful to America and Americans. Remember when 
uh, Obama said there was no way that the jobs were coming back, they came back. But they're going to probably go away again. Biden and his cohorts are globalists. You have Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, um, Rob Emanuel's brother. This guy was one of the architects of Obamacare, the the Affordable Care Act, who had said, um, by the way, recently, uh, that he believed that the vaccine and other members of the president's staff, according to a Scientific American uh, article, that the vaccines should be given to people around the world, perhaps even before we give them to Americans. If that isn't disturbing, I don't know what is. Because in point of fact, there was an article in Scientific American that was just published September 3rd this year. And the title, who should decide, how to decide who should get COVID-19 vaccine first. Medical ethicist Ezekiel Emanuel discusses a framework for equitably allocating COVID-19 vaccines based on preventing premature deaths and mitigating long-term economic impacts. Think about that. And it starts out by basically saying this. If and when a safe, effective COVID-19 vaccine is available, what's the fairest way to distribute it? In a policy report published on Thursday in Science, 19 public health experts laid out an ethical framework called the FAIR Priority Model. It is geared towards three principles, benefiting people and limiting harm, prioritizing countries already disadvantaged by poverty or low life expectancy, and avoiding discrimination. And when you read through this, it says the report is critical of previously suggested vaccine allocation plans, including two proposed by the World Health Organization. One of them would distribute vaccines to each country according to its population size, and the other would prioritize healthcare workers and adults above the age of 65 who have underlying, underlying health conditions. So there's actually proposals that the vaccine should not go to Americans but to other countries around the world. And Ezekiel Emanuel had said in another article in 2014, basically, that when you hit age 75, uh, your life is over and it's time to call it a day, and nothing dramatic should be done to extend your life. I, I, I guess that Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't get his memo. So you look at all of this and you have to ask yourself, would the Biden administration, number one, give the vaccine to Americans, and number two, would they give them to elderly Americans? You would think they should. Will they? We don't know. Because the lunatic left has taken control of the Democrat Party. And that's why the election coming up in Georgia is so damn important, because if the Democrats gain control of the Senate, there is no firewall to protect the American people from the lunatic left. That's the issue. Chuck Schumer was out there maniacally celebrating, we're going to control America. We're going to change the world. Really? This is how a Democratic Republic operates? This is how the minority leader in the Senate ought to be speaking about our government, about changing America, about gaining control? He sounded, as my wife pointed out, almost like a James Bond villain. We're going to be, you know, large and in charge, and we're going to do whatever we want. We are at our best, probably, when you have opposing parties in different branches of the government to resist each other, to moderate the things that the government does. Things are best done in moderation, whether it's drinking wine or coffee, uh, whatever. Moderation seems to be the best bet. But if the Republicans lose control of the Senate, there won't be any moderation. You will get full-blast left-wing loonies running the Democrat Party, 
and you have Black Lives Matter insisting that the Biden administration owes them because they would have helped Biden get elected because without black votes, does Black Lives Matter represent all American blacks? This is the same group that took to the streets a couple of years ago, besides the rioting we've seen recently, a couple of years ago, um, they were out there chanting, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want it now? And then they also chanted, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. This isn't moderate. This isn't American. So much went into desegregating America to achieving equality for all Americans, irrespective of race, irrespective of religion, irrespective of ethnicity. And the new left, well, they want segregation. Twisted segregation, but they want segregation. You know, white privilege and what we have to do for this group versus that group. And it seems as though every time Biden makes a statement, we come back to his belief in systemic racism, systemic racism. So there was an article that's very, very disturbing about what is going on with the educational system. If I can find my article, this has been one disjointed program today because of the technical difficulty. So let me read this article to you. This is the Washington Free Beacon. It was published November 11th, just two days ago. Maryland School District to spend over $450,000 on anti-racist audit. And I'll read it to you because you won't believe it, or maybe you will. The world has gone mad. Maryland's Montgomery County plans to spend more than $450,000 on an anti-racist audit intended to create equitable outcomes for every student's academic and of social, emotional well-being. Equitable outcomes. What does that mean? Everyone gets an A no matter what they did on the test. Everyone has a talent and everyone has a deficit. Uh, I can't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow. Other people are great singers. Some people are tremendous at math. Some people aren't. And the trick to education is to find your strengths, improve on your strengths, and find a way to take that strength and turn it into a career. You'll do well, and you'll probably be happy. But the idea that we're going to have equitable outcomes for every student, academically and so forth, means what? Equitable, we're all going to get the same grade no matter how well we do on the tests or no matter how well written the reports are or or the science projects are done. Life doesn't work that way. The world does not work that way. Look at what Charles Darwin had to say, okay? But then it goes on and says this, and this is really disturbing. According to a Tuesday memo from the county superintendent of schools, Montgomery County Public Schools will award a one-year, quote, anti-racist consulting contract to the Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium for $454,680. The consulting firm will investigate the district's culture, hiring practices, and pre-K through 12 curriculum, which Montgomery County says should be tailored so that it, quote, strengthens students' sense of racial, ethnic, and tribal identity. We're going to focus on what makes us different, right? Help students understand and resist systems of oppression. Well, we've been hammered with the notion that our country is oppressive, so they're supposed to resist the government, resist culture, resist maybe their own parents, resist oppression, and empowers the students to see themselves as change agents. By the way, you should know that the Southern Poverty Law Center has partnered with them. This is the same group that refers to any people or any organization that seeks secure borders and fair 
but effective immigration law enforcement as being racist, bigots, and haters. So instead of going to school to learn the three R's, which you would think children should be doing, because school is really supposed to prepare them to be successful adults, kids are going to be taught to focus on why they're different from everyone else. Forget about E pluribus unum out of many one. So we're going to focus on, I'm different from you, so stay away from me, perhaps. Resist oppression. Well, what's oppression? God only knows where that's going to lead. And finally, to see themselves as change agents. So I guess for a science fair project, you'll take down the Internet or try to disrupt the power grid. Change what? Change what? Imagine a five-year-old being told you're a change agent. You've got to change the way that the country runs. This is basically turning schools into academies for anarchists. And this isn't just some theory. They're putting money behind this effort, almost a half million dollars, to accomplish what? To help these children to grow up to be self-sufficient and successful and happy? or to have them go out there and participate in riots at the first available opportunity. The lunacy that we are witnessing in America is dangerous. It's counterproductive. It's not good for our children. It's not good for the citizens. It's not good for the world. There's no such thing as a perfect country or a perfect person or a perfect system. We are flawed. That's why they put erasers on the back of pencils. However, to spend a half million, roughly, nearly, on teaching little kids and high school students that they are change agents, that they must resist oppression. How oppressive is our society? The whole point to overcoming failure is the best possible education. You know, I'm Jewish, and my mother uh, was very concerned about anti-Semitism. Her family was wiped out during the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother, my grandmother, who was killed because of our religion. So certainly we understand sensitivity about concerns of racism, bigotry, anti-Semitism. We know that that leads nowhere good. By the way, the notion of white uh, privilege is a statement of racism. When you start to look at people, not as people, but as part of a race and attribute any qualities, good or bad, that's what racism is. But my mother and my father taught me that the best antidote to the stupidity of racists is to study hard and be so good at whatever you wind up doing for a living that even the people who don't like you will have to respect you. That's a common-sense, pragmatic way of addressing bigotry. Educate kids. The key to success is education. Educate American children, especially kids living in poverty, and give them opportunities for great careers. But that's going out the window because Biden wants to flood America with basically unlimited numbers of high-tech foreign workers. So what's the point to going to college and learning if at the end of the day you're going to be competing with people from other countries who will settle for half the normal wage that an American would expect to earn for a particular career? The solution to poverty is to be successful in the workplace. How can you be successful in the workplace when America is about to open its doors to limitless numbers of foreign workers in the third world willing to work for substandard wages under substandard conditions? So when people say to me, you make more of immigration than you should, my answer is that's baloney. Because immigration impacts virtually every challenge and threat that we're facing. Biden wants to take down the wall. That would leave the door, literally, leave the door open to what? Drugs, criminals, terrorism, foreign workers, people with dangerous communicable diseases. 
You're worrying about a pandemic now? Imagine free health care for illegal aliens and no control on immigration. The sick from around the world would descend on America. We would turn the United States under Obama, under uh, Biden, rather, into the ER for the world. That's what we're really looking at. And that's why it's so critical that we at least have another party in control of another segment of the, of the Congress. But understand that there are many people who are Republicans who want open borders. Let's legalize everybody. The only person who understood sovereignty and stood up to this lunacy was President Trump. And I believe that that's the reason that he got hammered from every direction. <clears throat> President Trump is the quintessential whistleblower. As soon as he got into the government, he saw all the corruption. He saw all the madness. He saw what the money was buying. It's Orwellian to refer to a bribe as a campaign contribution. It's a bribe. You give somebody money and you expect them to do something for you that they shouldn't do. Where I come from, we call that a bribe. As a federal agent, I wasn't allowed to take a cup of coffee or a can of soda or or a cupcake, okay? Water, that was it, ice water. Why? Because the concern was if someone gives you something, you're going to feel you owe them something. You don't think that politicians who take lots of money or the parties who get lots of money don't believe they owe something to the people who write the check? Are we that naive? But the steady drumbeat of hostile nonsense about President Trump, right out of Goebbels' playbook from the Third Reich, the big lie, Trump is terrible, Trump is a liar, Trump is a thief, on and on. I don't always agree with Donald Trump. I think he did things wrong. Everyone does something wrong. But my goodness, this is the first president to stand up and say we're going to put American workers first. We're going to protect our country from the threat of terrorism. We're going to go after the gangs and the criminals and the narcotics. We're going to lower the price of drugs. So Pfizer comes out and says, oh, we didn't get any money from warp speed. And it turns out they probably did. But the point was, do you think that they want Trump to stay in the White House? Because under Trump, they're not going to get as much money for their pharmaceuticals as they probably will under Biden. Biden works with the corporations. That's what's so crazy about the Democrat parties. They flipped. It used to be the Democrats who looked out for for America's working poor, for America's blue-collar workers. The Democrat Party no longer cares about them. Oh, they speak a good game, but actions speak louder than words. That's the problem. That's the problem. If you're going to flood America with foreign workers, you've destroyed opportunities for Americans. It's over. The whole point of going to college and investing all that time and talent and money is to qualify for a job that's rewarding and pays well. That won't happen if you bring in hundreds of thousands of high-tech foreign workers from the third world who think that a dollar a day and a bowl of almost warm rice is a reasonable salary. Maybe not quite that bad, but you get the point. The Labor Department used to run immigration. And now you have a president potentially incoming who will undo all the great work of President Donald Trump. We need to get our voices heard. We need to have these discussions with our friends and with our neighbors. And we've got to make it clear to all of these so-called political leaders that we're not the fools that we, they hope that we were. It's remarkable. By the way, with the, virus, with the um, vaccine on the way, uh, the issue now is will Governor Cuomo allow New Yorkers to get that, uh, that vaccine? God only knows. 
Well, I thank you for your time, folks. Please enjoy the weekend, and remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. We really need to be involved. We need to keep an eye on the way the system is not working for us. Uh, But we must not go quietly into the night if President uh, Trump actually is determined to have lost this election. Be well. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week right here on the uh, Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now, folks.